When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com where the Longhorns play and Austin talks sports. Wake up, everybody. No more sleeping in bed. No more back thinking, time for thinking ahead. The world has changed so very much from what it used to be. There's so much hatred, war and poverty. Oh, wake up all the teachers, time to teach a new way. Yes, sir. And yes, ma'am, you hit better. Well, let's get them up. It's Monday on B&E. Hope you had a uh, great weekend. A lot of great sports over the weekend. Scintillating performances across the pond in the United States. Major League Baseball. Gritty win at Austin for Austin FC on Saturday night at a Q2 Stadium. Got a lot to dive into. Good, bad, and ugly on a Monday. Hope your weekend was a good one. Whatever you were doing to uh, get out of the oppressive, overbearing heat. Maybe got out to see the new Mission Impossible movie. Maybe found a water source somewhere or just sat back in the A.C. and watched some incredible uh, events. How about the uh, Wimbledon men's final scintillating yesterday with 21-year-old Carlos Alcaraz uh, dueling with uh, Novak Djokovic. Great golf finishes across uh, uh, here and, of course, across the pond. Also, Major League Baseball. Uh, Really good rallies for the Rangers and Astros. And a big signing in the NFL. And coaches' school is underway. The coaches' convention underway down in Houston. So plenty to keep us busy over the next four hours of fun and conversation. And we appreciate you being there to start the work week and start this Monday, 17 July. Whether you're finding us on 104.9, could be 101.9 FM, AM 1260. And always streaming wherever you are digitally. Download that Horn app, have it with you wherever you go. Also on your smart speaker at home and work today and every day. And always, Mr. Godbolt, good morning at hornfm.com. Good morning to the soldiers at Fort Cabasas, Texas, the soldiers in the state of Texas and all those that fight for us each and every day. Thank you for what you do. We do appreciate it. Thank you, especially in this crazy heat all over oh. this world, as a matter of fact. And it's going to be hot again this week. Or we may have some relief and in, insight for us towards the weekend. Possibly. Possibly. Maybe we'll dip into the 90s. Man, it is uh, unreal. Uh, it is, uh, you know, stifling hot, to say the least. And uh, uh, Ty Nowhere to hide outside. Nowhere to hide. If, you're, if you are outside, you need to be uh, near, near a water source mm. of some kind, a swimming pool or a river or lake, something. But even there, you got to be careful as well. But uh, did you wake up? You're an early riser. Did you get up in time early enough to see Rory win the Scottish Open in dramatic I fashion? I did. Uh, I will confirm I did not because they, they started early because they're trying to get ahead of the weather. So even but the early, winds were Yeah, the wind. Were up. And they knew the rain was coming, so they were trying to get that thing done before the worst of the weather came. So you had to get up early to, to see Rory McIlroy 
uh, hit some incredible shots and play some incredible golf down the stretch into this week's Open Birdie, birdie, tend it. And how about, uh, I don't know if you were watching Steph Curry yesterday with an incredible finish out there in uh, Lake Tahoe to win that celebrity event. That was pretty cool, too, on the golf course. And uh, there was just good sports all over the place. Let's get you caught up on the news of the morning. Ty Henderson through the glass. Let's fire this thing up, get people caught up on the, uh, the busy Monday. UBO Business Services brings it to you. Yeah, we'll start with Major League Baseball. A pair of high drama finishes for the Texas MLB teams yesterday as both got back at it after the All-Star break. And good weekend for both. In Arlington, Josh Young's clutched two-run single, capped a four-run eighth to help the AL West-leading Rangers rally past Cleveland for a 6-5 win. And they complete a three-game sweep of the Guardians in that series. Uh, then in Anaheim last night, one night after blowing that big lead and falling to the Angels 13-12 Saturday, the Houston Astros, second place in the West, they returned the favor. They pounded out five home runs over the final two innings, including back-to-back bombs from Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker in the ninth. Lead the Strohs back from a 7-3 eighth inning deficit to a 9-8 win. They take two out of three from the Halos in that series. They're currently back three games of the Rangers in the AL West. Break up the Round Rock Express. They finished off a series sweep in Tacoma yesterday with a 5-1 win. E-Train are going to roll back into the Dell Diamond Tuesday night to open up a homestand. They, uh, they're going to face Reno, carrying a gaudy uh, 21 games over 500. Right now out there at Round Rock. Get out and check them out. Uh, also a pair of high drama finishes across the pond yesterday in golf. Rory McIlroy birdied his final two holes in a whipping win to vault past Robert McIntyre and win the Genesis Scottish Open. McIlroy was a shot behind McIntyre with two to play. On the par 317th, he played the slope to near perfection, left it within four feet, made birdie to tie for the lead. Then on 18th, he delivered what he's called the best shot of the year for him, a two-iron into a 30-mile-an-hour win that stuck to within 10 feet. He rolled in the championship-clinching birdie. It's Rory's first win ever on Scottish soil. He would take a ton of confidence into the final major of the golf season this week at the Open Championship at Hoy Lake. Scotty Scheffler, by the way, finished third in that event. In London, meanwhile, an absolutely brilliant men's final at Wimbledon. Number, world number one, Carlos Alcaraz, won his second Grand Slam title this year. Did it by outlasting seven-time Wimbledon champion Novak Djokovic in five incredible sets. 21-year-old Spaniard denied the 36-year-old Serbian's quest for the calendar Grand Slam in 2023 and a fifth straight win at the All-England Club. A match lasted four hours, 42 minutes, third longest in Wimbledon history. Uh, gritty win Saturday night for Austin FC at a Q2 stadium. Yazzie Zardes and Ethan Finley scored unassisted goals two minutes apart in the first half to lead Austin FC to a 2-1 win over Sporting Kansas City. It's their third straight win at Q2 Stadium through the three points. Vault Vert the Verde into a tie for fifth place in the Western Conference standings. But they come at a cost, by the way, the win did those three points. They took a rash of injuries in that game. Sebastian Driussi left the match with a tight hamstring. Daniel Pereira suffered what appeared to be a sprained shoulder on a hard fall. Both will be reevaluated today. Miliano Ragoni will miss a month with a sprained knee. Also in soccer yesterday, uh, Mexico topped Panama last night, 1-0 to secure the Gold Cup. And an incredible scene on South Beach where Lionel Messi has arrived. Enter Miami of the MLS introduced Messi to a frenzied crowd of sellout fans at the stadium there in, in uh, Miami. The introduction came after the sport's biggest star inked his new deal with the club. And a big sign in the NFL this morning. Word late yesterday now that the Tennessee Titans have agreed to terms with the three-time All-Pro wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins on a two-year deal. 31-year-old has been on the market since being released as a salary cap casualty by Arizona in early June. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. High drama. Baseball comebacks. Uh, Wimbledon final was incredible. The golf was, was incredible. I didn't mention Steph Curry, but Steph Curry had to make an eagle on 18 because they were playing the modified Stableford scoring system on that deal in Lake Tahoe, that annual uh, celebrity event, which is, is so fun to watch. And Steph Curry needed – because so, so with, with Stableford, Buck, you get points for being aggressive, right? 
So if you oh, make, yeah, yeah, if you make an eagle, it's three. If you make a birdie, it's three points. If you make an eagle, it's five points. If you make a, a birdie, it's a point. So they, they keep score that way. Instead of playing for under par, you're trying to score points. And um, You got after it with that eagle in 18. Yeah, eagle 18 to win it. Had to make about a 15-foot eagle putt. Meanwhile, poor Marty Fish, who was, who was leading going to that 18th hole, some joker screamed in his backstring and uh, had an errant tee shot. I mean, it's just one of those, you just don't do that. Right as he's, he's backswinging, someone from the gallery right behind him, you know, hollers out and screams at him, and he kind of loses focus and hit a terrible shot. Uh, he still recovered, I think, to make par, but um, uh, Steph Curry went right past him. Yeah, I watched that. I watched a little bit of it. I didn't watch a lot of that. Well, you know no, what? You Unfortunately, want... I didn't see it because I have DirecTV, and they're in a dispute. KXAN is in a dispute. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't have NBC right now, which is going to be a problem for uh, the Open Championship, I believe. I think that's on NBC. Yeah, that's a 3 o'clock in the morning deal, though. Yeah, but you I know don't know that. I, have to, I think I can watch it on my iPad because I have the DirecTV app. I think I can do that, but uh, or my computer. But either way, uh, yeah, right now DirecTV is in a dispute with KXAN and those channels, so I can't. I didn't get to see it. I, I saw all the highlights of uh, of our man Steph Curry getting it done, but uh Clutch, just like he would make a three in a finals game. That was just the way I felt like it when he dumped that in. Unbelievable. Just a clutch. Uh, by the way, uh, Steph also had a hole-in-one on Saturday, mm-hmm. which he delivered one of the great reactions we've ever seen. As he, he makes the hole-in-one on, a, on the seventh hole, the ace, and goes sprinting up the fairway uh, up into the gallery. It was pretty cool. That was a good scene in Lake Tahoe. One of these days I have to get out there for that. That feels like a... You know, we got all the boats and people are out there watching. It's like a like, party there. Good time, man. Uh, pretty darn cool uh, from that weekend. So good stuff. Uh, good, bad, and ugly from the weekend. And the tennis was awesome. I hope to see those guys in the U.S. Open get it again together. I'm just, it's just, I just don't think that, I'm thinking the Joker, he will get the best of them the next time on the hard court. But I don't know, 37-year-old versus a 24, that guy 24, 21, 21 years old. 20. 21, well, he just He's turned 21. 20? It just turned twenty one, I believe. So he's and the Joker's what, thirty six, thirty seven? Thirty six, yeah. Wow. And he was going for five in a row at the All England Club and uh, to to to, to uh, cement the calendar grand slam and Alcaraz, yeah, twenty years old. So I twenty watching the highlights last night, somebody mentioned twenty one. No, he's twenty. He won't be twenty one until uh no, next May. He just turned twenty. So Carlos Alcaraz, the Spaniard, and he made some incredible I mean, Joker was making these incredible shots, and he was returning them somehow, keeping the point alive, and then he would finish with a huge forehand. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was really, really tremendous, and uh, the third longest match in men's you know, Wimbledon history. So the young guy you know, holding up, I mean, yeah, you, you kind of felt like it, that the experience of Djokovic would win out, and uh, the young legs, Alcaraz. Oh, boy, did they. Wins at Wimbledon. What a match. I mean, that was just really high-level stuff. I mean, uh, mano a mano. Uh, two of the best players in the world going at it right there. That was that was good stuff for sure. Baseball was good over the weekend as well. The Rangers kind of flex over the weekend, sweep the Guardians out of the break. Uh, Astros, man, they should have swept the Angels, but they blew the huge lead on Saturday night. Their bullpen is complete, even though they had a week off for the break. Houston's got about four relievers that they're using right now for Dusty Baker, and they they're they're hitting hitting the, hitting the you know they because their starting pitching's been banged up and injured. They their their bullpen's already gassed. It appears to me, in, in near here in mid June or mid July, and uh, trade deadline is coming up. We're hearing trade winds of Shohei Otani in Major League Baseball. Those things are gonna that's gonna heat up here as we're on the 17th of July. So the next two weeks, you're gonna hear a lot of uh, will the Angels trade Shohei Otani? Uh, he had another home run in the in the loss last night. He had his 34th home run, 
He had another one the night before to help beat Houston in that yep. 13 to 12 ridiculous uh, comeback and win. What a series that was uh, out in Anaheim. But uh, yeah, good baseball this weekend. We'll see. You've got two weeks to the deadline. Astros, if they're going to stay in this thing, are going to have to make some. Even Dusty Baker admitted after that, because you know, Ryan Presley blew the lead on on Saturday. But that the, those four primary relievers are just. It's like the, the workload that they've had so far this year is uh, way too much, way too much. They need some more arms in that Houston bullpen. They need to get some people healthy, too. But either way, they're, they're holding on. They're still three back of the Rangers. But the Rangers just seem – Aroldis Chapman got the big save the other night through 102.5 miles an hour. He's going to become the closer for the Rangers. And now the question is what both of those teams do here between now and the deadline to, uh, to shore up some things. But, uh, you know, good baseball, good drama, good finishes over the weekend all over the place, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean for the for the Angels, you know, as as they st- still try to stay in it, what will they do? But they've lifted up their batting averages uh, on um, on the Astros this weekend. That's that's kind of crazy. Yeah, well, that's I mean the Astros pitching is what has kept them in this thing because they've had. I mean they still have you know Jordan Alvarez in the lineup yeah. and but they you know twelve runs should have been enough for them on Saturday. I would think you would yes. think right, but. Um, and, you know, for a long time, the Astros had the best team ERA in the game. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is just, you know, the compounding effect of appearance after appearance and short start by your starters and the injuries to the top of the rotation, uh, I believe, started to take their toll here in, in July. And you wonder, even Dana Brown, their general manager, admitted on a pregame show Sunday that, you know, they've got to get in the, into the, uh, you know, onto the trade market and try to get some people in because, uh you know, the, the the relievers have been. I mean, the Astros bullpen was a big part of why they won the World Series last year. The ability to secure leads and have the best bullpen ERA in baseball. They've been good this year, but I just think they're getting overused and uh, running out of gas a little bit here, uh, late into July. So, uh, baseball was good. Rangers, Astros, Round Rock. When you get out, get a chance to get out to the Dell Diamond. I know it's hot, but uh, man, those games are expressor. You know, one of the best teams in all of the uh, PCL. Get out there and check them out. They've won, what, their, what I mentioned, they're 21 games over 500. Swept the entire series in Tacoma. They'll be at Dell Diamond tomorrow night to crank up a series. So, good, bad, and ugly from the weekend. Um, T.Y. is through the glass. Did you have a good weekend there, T.? Yeah. Good? Feeling a lot better than I did on Friday. Good, good. Buck, how about you? Did you, have, did you do anything fun I outside? I stayed of, indoors. What you had to do? I, had, I mean, really, I didn't, you know, generally I'd get around and do some stuff and pretend I'm going to, you know, do a bunch of stuff, you know, and you can't do. There's no gardening. It's just trying to keep stuff alive. If you're, if that's what you're into, no matter what, even if you've had your stuff that's been in the ground for a while, it better be Texas native. I know that. It better be Texas native. No, it's got to be right now. Text line says uh, Kyle Tucker is the real deal. Yeah, that's another guy to mention from that Astro series. Mm-hmm. Kyle Tucker, man, what a, what a series he had. Uh, he deserved better on Saturday in the loss. He had a huge game with four hits and another big home run. But the catch he made last night in the ninth inning to secure the win. Diving catch, um, looked for sure like he was going to get down, maybe even for a gapper off the bat, which would have, you know, blown another one for the Astros. And uh, he makes a, a diving catch. That's why he's got a gold glove, and uh, he was tremendous. How about uh, Rory's two iron uh, into the Oh, he wind. changes clubs. Then he then he chokes up on that bad boy. What a shot. That was Tiger-esque. I mean, we, we, you know, to be you know playing into a, a 30, 35-mile-an-hour wind, and to you need a birdie. I mean, you're tied with this guy. You're going to to a playoff if if you don't make a birdie. And you you certainly can't make a bogey here, right? You can't cough up the championship. Oh my god! And Tom Kim took forever on 18. Yeah, like waiting oh on him. Oh my goodness! It was like a, that was like an eight minute wait. Yeah, come on, man. Um, but so Rory, you know, he said he started the week on that same hole with a with a four iron. Mm-hmm. And then he thought about three, and then he said with the wind, he just wanted to. He pulled out the two iron. 
and uh, boy, just hit a what you would call a bullet, man. It was it never got twenty feet off the ground, and which is what you want to do in those winds. You want to keep it down, uh, control the flight, and let it roll. And uh, especially in that in that uh, link style, and man, it was a just a beautiful shot, and it rolled right up to the pin. Pretty good stuff. And then he well, he and McIntyre. I mean, McIntyre shot on eighteen. Yeah, that second shot to make birdie. There. <laughs> he I made mean, a that three was... wood that was incredible. Wow. I mean, when you're playing into the wind, it's a par four, but you're still. I mean, you're 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 going to have two really long shots. Your ball's going to get knocked down on both your tee shots. Two hundred five yards away. That was incredible. And then obviously they'll head to a Hoy Lake for the Open Championship. And Rory. That was the last place he won, right? I that think was, so. Yeah, nine nine years ago, I believe. That's his first win ever in Scotland, and uh, he took that home. That was an, just a. He said he had the best shot of, of the year for him. One of the best shots he's ever hit because that was a beauty, and it uh, brought a championship. So he wins the Genesis. Uh, Scottish Open over the weekend. Uh, that was pretty darn cool. But yeah, they'll, they'll head to Hoylake for the Open Championship, the final golf major, this coming weekend. And I believe, uh, I got a text last night, I think that our, our fantasy golf contest brought to you by Callahan's General Store is already live and active and ready to go uh, up at our website, hornfm.com. So you can start picking your golfers and uh, having some fun with that to win some great prizes from, from at Callahan's General Store. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be wide open. To say the least, right? To say the oh, least. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's always because it's people, you know, players from all over the world and uh, the oldest Open Championship and uh, the Open coming your way. So go make your picks. Have fun with that. I mean, I, I think you probably have to pick. You'd like to pick Scotty Scheffler, right? But, you know, Scheffler, he's there every week. Yeah, I mean, he he's tied hanging. for third with a bunch of guys. I mean, he's been <laughs> yeah. in the top five. He didn't play great on Saturday, which which ended up costing him. But, yeah, he finished right there at 10 under with. Uh, David Lingmurth and um, a couple back, or actually it was five back of Rory, but it was it was a two man race at the end with McIntyre, and you got to give Robert McIntyre, you know, he Rory had to to play incredible down the stretch to beat him, but McIntyre posted one heck of a Sunday round in those wins to give himself a shot at that championship. That was that was really impressive for the 26 year old uh, to play that well in that wind uh, over in Scotland. So that's Lynx Golf, and you know you'll get that coming up this weekend at Hoylake. You just never know what the uh, the weather will be from not just from day to day, but within each tournament oh, around yeah. what it's going to be uh, in that spot. So good stuff, great finishes, high drama over the weekend. Lionel Messi is officially uh, with Inter Miami. That was pretty cool. We'll get into some more soccer with uh, Austin FC. But Buck, uh, I know when you were coaching, the annual coaches convention, love it, was always a huge deal, right? It was uh, you now. Now there's the the winter convention, right? Usually in January. Like at the end of the year, they gather, and then here they are. Now, this is the Texas High School Coaches Association's Coaches Convention. It's underway as of last night down in Houston. It's at the George R. Brown Convention Center in Houston. Uh, pretty cool scene last night. Uh, it was Craig Way, our own Craig Way, sitting and uh, doing a Q&A with Mac Brown. Mac Brown is what's, what's launched Coaches School. And know that there are like 12,000 high school and college coaches from across the country down there uh, getting together and talking football and learning from one another. And it was Mac Brown who was invited in. Uh, of course, he had such a great, you know, run with the Texas high school coaches when he was coaching here at Texas, uh, and you know, did the, the Q and A, which went over well. Uh, of course, Steve Sarkeesian and his whole staff are down there. Uh, Craig Way also emceed the coaches panel, the Division One coaches panel, where you know Sark and all the the, the Division One coaches get up on the stage and and uh, do a Q and A. That was pretty cool as well. But the headlines coming out of uh, of last night, outside of the Mac Brown, you know, appearance was the SEC commissioner, Greg Sankey, made an appearance. He was there as, a, as an invitee of the Texas High School Coaches Convention. Of course, Texas joining Texas A&M in the Southeastern Conference starting next year. Uh, so, you know, he, uh, Greg Sankey was there on his way to Buck, 
Nashville, Tennessee, where today yeah, the SEC, media day, meet, huh? SEC meetings will open today. Uh, Texas A&M among the featured teams today. They're in Nashville. Uh, it's the first year. Uh, it's been over in, in Alabama usually, but they're going to have it in Nashville this year. So the SEC will take center stage, much like the Big 12 did last week. But if there was a highlight last night, I, I guess, it was, uh, you know, the commissioner, Greg Sankey, took a bit of a shot at the Big 12 uh, and their commissioner, Brett Yormark, and uh, they're not, he's at odds because last week at Big 12 Media Days, Brett Yormark talked about how the Big 12 wants to add more weeknight games for TV and to get their, the, the conference on, on, on primetime television and standalone more often and said they were, they were certainly open to more Friday night games. Friday night games, not just this season, but moving forward. And the Big 12 has four Friday night games this year. Well, Brett Yormark, excuse me, but uh, Greg Sankey was at a stark contrast to that, saying, no, 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 no. We want, and this is in front of a, you know, twelve thousand high school coaches, uh, saying, no, no, we we are con- we want to make sure we protect Friday night football, protect Friday night high school football. Uh, the SEC, we're not going to be playing Friday night, you know, football games. And obviously, the SEC has the luxury of they get plenty of primetime games. Sure, they do on Saturday and Saturday night um, with with all the championships out of that conference the last several years. But um, he said uh, last night, Greg Sankey said, I've expressed concern about the migration of colleges into Friday night. We've got colleges playing Friday night for TV windows. We had better think carefully about our impact on high school football. I encourage more attention to high school football. Which, uh, you know, Big 12 is embracing the idea of Friday night games because at the end of the day, TV networks would love to put games on and uh, get eyeballs. At the same time, does that dissuade, especially in, in local regions, right? If, if if Texas Tech is playing a Friday night high school, a, Friday, a big game on Friday night, is that going to minimize crowds for high school football games and take away from the high school football Friday night in West Texas, I would say probably so. Yeah, Most I mean they don't want to take away from whether it's whether they're on radio or streaming or whatever. He's trying to well in crowds, right? I mean yeah. if, you, if you have a home game at Texas Tech on a Friday night, and all of a sudden you know seven, any any school around any high school around there is going to suffer. You're right, suffer because Texas Tech fans are then you put the fan in the spot where they got to choose. Well, where am I going to go? I want. I mean I don't want to miss only six home games, uh, seven on a good year. I don't want to miss a home Texas Tech game. I'm okay Tech with game. Thursday nights, but not Friday nights. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, but, you know, that that's at a dispute, and that's coming. Because it was Brett Yormark who uh, said, you know, said, said last week that, that we're all in. Uh, the Big 12 wants to play more Friday night conference games. And, you know, now in front of the high school coaches, <laughs> Greg Sankey going the exact opposite. Also, Joe Martin, who is the executive director of the Texas High School Coaches Association, he said, we are certainly opposed to that. That's something that was shocking for us to read. It's about TV money. Oh, let me tell you something. They're going to let you know that they're not happy about yeah, it. Yeah, we want to keep Friday night pure in high school football. We're so different from everybody else. Our communities still go and support our teams. Any other football, whether it's Division One or NFL, that's out there on Friday night, we are opposed to that. Embrace the Friday night lights. So that dispute is there. Also coming up, we'll get in. It was funny, Steve Sarkeesian so, you know, had started his comment last night. One of his comments was, I don't want to be fined by the SEC before I even join the conference. But he is at odds with Greg Sankey about a big decision that's going to be coming as far as recruiting goes. And uh, we'll let you know because it's, it's one of those, I think Greg Sankey has a great point, And I think Steve Sarkeesian has a great point. And this is another one of these conundrums for college football of how they're going to deal with it. And it's all surrounding the early recruiting window that comes in December. We'll, uh, we'll get into that debate coming up. Also, DeAndre Hopkins landing in Tennessee. Did that surprise you? Titans, I know that's been a prime name, but you felt like he was going to try to go to a place where maybe he could win a New Super England, Bowl. Maybe, I thought he would get to New England. I thought somehow, some way, that the Patriots would have him sign there. 
I no, about two. their young quarterback. Clearly, for I mean, this would tell you for a 31 year old receiver, this was about one more get, paycheck, as, much, get as much paycheck, as you can, yeah. get as much as you can, because he could have gone to Buffalo, he could have gone to Kansas City, he could have gone to some other teams, but it would had to be at the right price this far into the this game. This was about the price, and yeah, if you're DeAndre Hopkins, this was not about chasing a ring here. Uh, Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill, they still got a pretty good running back there. Derrick Henry, I mean, yeah, and this helps them. I mean, now you got if Ryan Tannehill's healthy. And Derrick Henry is still the battering ram. Mm-hmm. And now you got that guy on the outside. Remember, they traded A.J. Brown to Philadelphia, which really was, I mean, really that, that trade got their general manager fired, essentially, traded into Philadelphia. Rightfully and then all so. of a sudden, Philadelphia ends up in the Super Bowl. Uh, and A.J. Brown was maybe the most impact acquisition of last year. Um, you know, so is Hopkins A.J. Brown? No, but it, does he bring some, some oomph to a passing game that certainly needs oomph? I think so. Uh, so in that, and it, look, in that division, where you've got – it's wide open, to say at least Jacksonville would be the, the heavy It favorite. makes them better. It does. Uh, but, you know, Jacksonville's the favorite in that division. Houston and Indianapolis are rebuilding around young quarterbacks. Uh, if you're Tennessee, you know, remember, Tennessee was in the AFC Championship game just two seasons ago. It seemed like they were there for the last four or five years. And they've been a really consistent team for Mike Vrabel. Last year, with the injury to Ryan Tannehill – uh, they just they and the trade of AJ Brown they were just not there. You know they're going to be tough as nails. You know they're going to hit you in the mouth as a football team. That's just a Mike Vrabel team. Uh, but adding some you know giving Ryan Tannehill a number one target to go with Derrick Henry and if he's healthy too, that can at least put them in the mix to win that division with Jacksonville. Yeah, he has to be healthy too. You know he has to be able to do the sure. things that he's been used to doing. Hundred percent, hundred percent. By the way, before they signed DeAndre Hopkins last night, the the combined wide receiver room in Tennessee. Mike Vrabel, their head coach. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Has had more career touchdown catches than they had. With the entire thinking. receiver room. Of course, Mike Vrabel, when he's in New England, would run all those trick plays with Tom Brady. Sure. Right? Uh, for him to go from pass rusher to tight end. And, yeah, he had more career touchdown catches than the entire Tennessee wide receiver room before last night when they signed the, uh, the three-time All-Pro. So that is in the books. We also have news from the Cowboys where it doesn't look like, you know, the de- deadline coming up today as far as, tra- as, uh, as, far as uh, franchise players doesn't look like the Cowboys are going to get uh, Tony Pollard signed anything long-term. We'll get you details on that. Also the latest on Saquon Barkley because he's got a deadline today with the New York football Giants. So we're just getting warmed up on what's going to be a busy Monday. Hope you had a, uh, a great weekend. We found a respite from the heat, and we've got you covered. Four hours of good conversation. Just getting warmed up here on Benny. It's Bucky and Aaron. Good, bad, and ugly from the busy weekend. The weather is ugly, no doubt about it. The temperature is just uh, dangerously hot. So you have to have a plan if you're going outside, so uh, be safe. That's going to continue. It's not just here, but it's all over with the heat wave gripping the United States and a lot of the world right now. Uh, it was a heat wave in Miami last night, historic night for uh, the with, for Major League Soccer as a league and certainly for soccer in the United States for Lionel Messi to be introduced uh, to a packed crowd at the uh, stadium there in Miami. Remember, Lionel Messi uh, won the World Cup eight months ago. He's voted the tournament's best player. I mean, he's still, uh, you know, the most biggest and most recognizable player in the world. 
and also still one of the best players on the planet. And now he's playing in the MLS. I mean, Miami sold out their their stadium last night in the rain. Fans were buying $200 jerseys outside of the stadium to say hi to Lionel Messi, who will make his debut upcoming for the uh, for the last place team in the NMLS, Buck. Inter-Miami is dead last. They're not very good. They're not very good. But now they have Messi, and that was a scene, a moment, uh, to see him come out and, you know, uh, for the league itself. If you're trying to grow your league to add the most recognizable and best player on the planet, one of the best ever. Pretty big deal. And he can still play, right? When David Oh, Beckham, no, he's very good. Yeah, I mean, again, he just led them to the World Cup, Argentina, and was the best player, uh, MVP of the tournament. So, if you know, David Beckham, when he came to Los Angeles years and years ago, he was kind of a ceremonial thing. This guy can still play. Now, you know, what? What? how does he elevate into Miami? scrubs around him. <laughs> yeah. How about that guy? He's going, who are these guys? Who are these guys I'm playing with? Now, that's where he's got to go recruit some players to join him. But that was a cool scene last night in Miami. And it was a weekend. You know, it's one of the slower weekends for for sports. Man, there were some unbelievable finishes. Carlos Alcaraz at Wimbledon. I'll just say, man, those guys, you realize that was a five-hour match. I mean, those guys were playing. That was, I mean. That was intense tennis, too. And it was unbelievable. I mean, those guys go toe-to-toe, long rally after long rally, 130-mile-an-hour serves. That is unbelievable. Uh, and for, for a 20-year-old like Alcaraz, to claim his second Grand Slam, but deny... How about this for Djokovic? That's his first loss at center court in Wimbledon in a decade. First person to beat him on that court in 10 years was a 20-year-old, and it took every unbelievable shot he had uh, to do it in five sets. Four hours, 42 minutes. One of the best matches you'll ever see. Uh, mano a mano with the young guy against the, the maybe the greatest ever in the Joker. That was good stuff. If you got to believe that both of them would be favorite one and two, of course, in New York here shortly. Yeah, U.S. Open. Hopefully, it cools down a little bit. Wow. <laughs> Hopefully, it cools down a little bit before they roll in because it's you know 110 here, but it's it's pretty plenty warm on the East Coast. Uh, plenty as of well. rain on the East Coast too. Yeah. Well, we'll take. Can we get some rain here? Yeah. Can they can that happen here? Shoot some up a pipeline or something here. <laughs> can we can we pull that off? But uh, yeah, so that was awesome. Obviously, Roy McIlroy. With his finish and birdie birdie to win the Scottish Open was was compelling. The baseball was compelling with the Astros and Rangers both rallying for big wins and it's just good finishes. And uh, Austin FC, by the way, we'll talk more about this as the week goes. They they beat Sporting KC on a really hot night at QT they moved Stadium. To fifth place into fifth place. They're tied yep. for fifth with thirty two points. But man, that one might have been costly because uh, you, Danny Pereira. We know they need him in the yes. center there. He fell hard on his shoulder. You know, it wasn't a flop. He went down hard and he may have sprained his shoulder. Uh, they're going to be looked at. Uh, we know Emiliano Ragoni is going to be out for four weeks with a, a sprained knee. And then, you know, in the first half of that match on Saturday night, Sebastian Driussi's hamstring tightened up. So he had to be subbed out. Uh, still won that game because Brad Stuber played great in the goal, and they had those two early goals, to, to uh, and it was enough to get That's the three weird. points. That's That was the first time they've had three in a row at home, huh? Yeah, three straight wins, nine points in their last three home matches. So their July surge continues, but now the injury. Uh, bug creeps in, so we'll keep an eye on what Austin FC is doing. But yeah, they're right there, fifth place, striking distance of even climbing more in the Western Conference. Same time, these injuries because we know this with Austin FC. When 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 Danny Pereira wasn't able to play at Vancouver the other night, and Drewsy didn't play, we got we was subbed out. I mean, you're you have a hard time finding offense with those two guys. I mean, they're one one or two key injuries from being a pretty bad soccer team right now. If they have everybody, they're pretty good. But um, there's not a lot of depth for Austin FC right now. They did get the win. Dude, they struggle when they miss one of those guys. I know. That's tough. And they're both banged up now, which is uh, 
which is not not optimal timing for them. Uh, I mentioned that there's a uh, a brewing controversy. I wouldn't even call it a controversy. But I think it's a great college football conversation, and I don't know what the answer is, Buck, because uh, Steve Sarkeesian is at odds with Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the conference that Texas is about to join. And last night it was uh, on display at the Texas High School Coaches Convention. So we've debated over and over again, Buck, the early signing window, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the early signing period is now the signing period for recruiting. We know that. It's December 21st through the 23rd this year. And, you know, it, it's, it's interesting that Mac Brown was the featured guest last night of the Texas High School Coaches uh, doing a Q&A because Mac was the president of the coaches uh, committee nationally when this rule was put in place. And I heard Mac, who was on with Craig Way live on the Light the Tower on Friday, say that we, 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 we put that in because we wanted it to be for, like, legacy players, right? Kids who, like Casey Studdard. Casey Studdard's dad went to Texas. Casey was going to go to Texas from the minute he was born and started playing football. And so if for, for legacy players and, and players who just knew, I'm done. I, I don't want to be recruited all through January. I want to be done with this. Um, and so, obviously, though, it, unintended consequences of a new rule – it has become the signing period, right? I mean, 80%, 90% of all players and prospects now declare and sign their letters of intent in that window. And whatever happens in early February now is just cleanup, right? And, right. and, and you know, the last 5 or 10% of players. Well, I think Greg Sankey makes a great point where he says, wait a second, we're about to have an early signing window while we're expanding the playoff to 12 teams, and we're going to be playing, we're going to have teams playing playoff games and tr- playing for the championship through December. And we're going to have an early signing window, so coaches are going to have to be preparing for a game while recruiting uh, and all the things that go on. We know the month of December is already extremely compressed with, you know, you, you got you know, you, your season wraps up in early December now, and you've got three weeks. If you're making a coaching change, that be, that's why we're seeing more and more coaches fired yeah, September so and October. Recruiting. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're seeing coaches let go in September now. If you know you're going to make the change, you get ahead of that. So you can bring your new coach in, and they can begin the recruiting process because they may only have those three weeks of early December before the signing period is up, and you got to either hold on to a recruiting class or build a recruiting class in short order. So it's a, it's affecting that. But then we're seeing coaches who are preparing for bowl games, you know, and, and yet they have to get this coaching uh, recruiting class together. Well, now think about add the layer of, well, now I'm in the 12-team playoff. And I've got a big playoff game coming up, right? And I may play three three more games here through the month of December, and I've got to finish up my recruiting class. That puts a lot of tax on a coaching staff and on a program, and that's what Greg Sankey says. I mean, he said when Greg Sankey said when we go to expand a playoff, I don't think for a moment there should be an early signing period while our best college football teams are engaging in playoff games. In December, you have coaching decisions, head coach, assistant coaches. You have signing day. We're trying to get back to the old February. Is it? We have a transfer portal, bowl games. You have a playoff. Not to mention the regular season concluding at our conference championship games. So Sankey, and again, he's got a strong point. I mean, that's a lot going on, especially when you're going to be playing the most important games of your year when you expand the playoff to 12. Well, Steve Sarkeesian fires back, and he said, as I said, he kind of chuckled and said, I don't want to be fined before the SEC and before I join the conference. But he said, I don't know if that's the best avenue. The student-athlete in high school are way too equipped to graduate high school early to be in college in January. When you start to think about the majority of your class enrolling in January but not even having a signing period, that's concerning to me. That's why we went to the early signing period. I do think there's probably a happy medium. And that becomes the debate. What is the happy medium? Because if, if Greg Sankey is right that this is this guy's just too much for December, and Sark is right that I mean half of their more than half of the, the Texas recruiting class was here in January. Well, when do they sign? Do they just show up on campus and then sign in February? 
Um, you know, those are the things because more and more high school players are graduating early to get ahead, get a jump start on spring. Yeah, they want to be there. So what is the happy medium? I don't, I don't know. I mean, some have said have a have a signing period in August before the high school football season starts. Um, same time, the coaches like to have official visits during games during the season for undeclared players. I don't know the answer. Really they don't, don't get to five visits anymore. Generally, you got everything down to two. Yeah, you got two schools that you're really really interested in. Yeah, maybe a third school. Well, remember, you were coached a long time. January used to be the main recruiting season, right? Sure. Season's over. Bowl Feb- game's February over. February signing. See ya. Yeah, February or first Wednesday of February is when all the kids sign. So you're having their official visits all through January. Those official weekends, right? Well, now those are in June. <laughs> Yeah. Now they're in June uh, because you have to. And that's where some would say to, to, to find the happy medium that Steve Sarkeesian talked about, well, maybe it's August. Maybe it's before the high school season. If you want to declare, declare. Um, same time, that, that I don't think there's a perfect answer to when to do it. Um, but I do think Greg Sankey has a strong point that we don't want to be having to get all that put together. And, and, you know, that's a lot for a coach. And you know that Greg Sankey is planning for a number of his teams in the SEC oh, to be for sure. playing and in that 12-team pl- playoff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, now one of the reasons Georgia and Alabama and um, LSU. LSU, these schools have been so good in the SEC, is they recruit well. Well, you don't want to impact the recruiting by playing playoff games while they need to be finalizing their recruiting class for the 2020, you know, that, that year's window. Uh, again, I don't have a great solution to it. I don't know what it is. As the the they continue to move this thing up and and you know speed up the process, same time you need to put some some common sense rules in place because I do think the early signing window made sense, and and that's what Mac Brown said it was for it was for the legacy kids, the early enrollee kids, and you know a junior college player that wants to commit and you know they need to get to the class. They want to be, yeah, they need to be here in January. Yeah, and they, going. they need to get into enrolled in school. Well, they, obviously, it's it's become everybody, and so I don't know the good answer to that. So we'll take your thoughts. Specs text line, 512-337-3776. Um, good stuff happening from the Texas High School Coaches Convention. I know we'll have more from that. My buddy Mike Craven is down there with uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Craig Way, Jeff Howe, a lot of our crew down there at the George R. Brown Convention Center. That will be ongoing uh, for the next couple of days with 12,000 or so high school coaches on hand there. Uh, pretty cool scene. Uh, but a lot of conversations coming out of that. And as we mentioned off the top of the show, today in Nashville is SEC Media Days. Now, those open. The Aggies are one of the three teams featured today. Um, first time they've had it in Nashville. Nash Vegas will be the host of SEC Media. So Greg Sankey was there last night down in Houston. Yeah, all this talk is going to speed up the process for high school kids. They're just going to – their process in their minds of, well, you know what, I like to go see these four schools. We'll have to just – they're just going to have to make quicker decisions. Yeah, well – and They just will. And Steve, Steve Sarkeesian knew his audience last night down there. He said, and we'll get more of this coming up in our coach's corner, he said, you know, we're still going to build our, our roster off of high, high school players. Right. And he said, and he cited this year, we, we signed 20 high school players and we brought in five through the portal. You know, at the University of Texas, we're not going to live in the portal or major in the portal. We're going to use the portal to target specific players, but we're still going to build our roster from the high school ranks. We still believe that's the best way to, to bring in players. And so, obviously, that that's what high school coaches want to hear, too. That's right. Because there is the fear, and I think it's happening at a lot of places, Buck, where the high school kid is kind of, especially at the low, as you move down the pecking order, the, you know. They're not going to get a shot. Yeah, they're not getting as many opportunities because they're just going portal. I mean, play, coaches are going to take a player they've seen in, in college. And that's where, what you've said. I mean, what would you do if you are a coach? Yeah, for sure. Oh, I can watch tape on this kid playing two years at the, at the college football level versus I need that high school player kid. right now. Yeah. I, I don't need to develop a player. I need a player that's already developed. Yeah. 
A lot of conversations, obviously. It's a fluid situation in college athletics and football with the portal and the NIL and everything that is happening, and obviously the early signing window. So that's the news coming out of Houston. There'll be plenty of it this week coming out of Nashville with SEC Media Days. Of course, Longhorns in Oklahoma will be headed to that. By the way, Greg Sankey did have a comment on the Oklahoma debate we had last week with the uh, Deputy Commissioner of the Big 12 taking a shot at Texas and Oklahoma. He vehemently defended Oklahoma. We'll get you details on that coming up. So a lot of college football on this Monday morning. Also the good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend. We'll get some B&E facts of the day coming back on the other side and also rolling forward on a busy Monday. It's Bucky and Aaron. Man, plenty of good from the weekend. It was ugly with the heat and uh, dealing with that, but man, the uh, scintillating performances on the fields and courts and courses of play, pretty outstanding. Carlos Alcaraz defeated uh, Novak Djokovic in the uh, Wimbledon final. Fifth youngest man, uh, male player ever to win their second major title by now. And for Novak Djokovic, Buck, he had won 45 consecutive matches on center court, dating back 10 years. That is the longest streak by anyone since that the All England Club opened in 1922. Uh, that's, uh, that's the feat the 20-year-old Alcaraz pulled off yesterday. If he's going to end up being my favorite of all time, I think Roger Federer is still my guy. Also, some facts from the weekend. Garrett Cole, your guy with the Yankees, they blew a couple of games oh, on Saturday did. and Sunday. But uh, Garrett Cole had a great start. He recorded his 24th game with 10 strikeouts. That's to the most ever for the Yankees, passing Ron Guidry. You remember Ron Guidry back FT, in the yes. The last place Yankees. Yeah, last place yeah, Yankees. Yeah, they suck. Come on, man. Out loud. Out loud. Their bullpen fell apart. Speaking of bullpens, they got no apart. offense going either. Yeah, well, that's why they fired their hitting coach and brought in Sean Casey. They need Aaron Judge back in their lineup badly. You know, they led in the eighth inning um, three to one. They led in the eleventh inning seven to five. Couldn't hold that lead yesterday. Astros and Angels, though. How about um, in their series this weekend, which is a wild one to say the least, coming out of the All Star break. The the two teams combined for thirty two runs in the seventh inning or later over the course of the three game series. That's the most second most by any series since two thousand. I mean, it was ridiculous. The Astros had a huge lead Saturday night. Couldn't hold it. Ryan Presley blew it and gave up the home run to Otani. Uh, and they rallied to win that game 13-12. to But you thought the Astros would, and that was going to you know, gut punch the series. Well, the Astros last night did the same thing to them. They were down 7-3 to in the eighth inning. And Houston rallied to hit five home runs in the final two innings to rally and beat them 8-7. Uh, so, or 9-8, I should say, last night, which was unbelievable. And Kyle Tucker hit a big home run. Alex Bregman hit the biggest of them, a two-run shot that gave the Astros the lead in the, uh, the ninth inning. They went back-to-back. That's good stuff. So great series there. And here's a little number. I know they don't play games in percentages. They play games on fields and courts. But the Astros on Saturday night had a 99% chance to win the game, according to the percentages. 99% and they lost. The Angels had a 99% chance to win last night and lost the game. So that's how crazy that series was in Anaheim. Astros are three back of the Rangers now in the AL West. Today, 3 o'clock, Buck, it is a fact. Today is the deadline. For, for franchise-tagged players... Yeah, it'll get done in New York. ...to find a new deal. Now, the this is a story today. I'm not sure why. not surprising. But report today that the Cowboys don't plan on signing Tony Pollard to any type of a long-term contract ahead of him. You know, Tony Pollard's going to play on the franchise tag this year. Right. Now, that, that was kind of obvious. I don't think Jerry Jones is eager to get into another long-term contract with a running back Mm-mm. after what just happened with Zeke Elliott. Not before this season. But they certainly sure. didn't want to lose Tony Pollard. So that's what you use the franchise tag for. Much like Dalton Schultz last year, who played the whole season on a franchise tag and then left. He's with the Texans now. Uh, you can kind of see the same scenario for Tony Pollard. Now, if he blows up, 
then you're and has a great season, which you would hope if you're a Cowboys fan, that well now you gotta try to re sign him or you're gonna lose him. Right. And so that's where the Cowboys are. But for Saquon Barkley, um, today's the day, three o'clock. He has threatened to hold out and not report to training camp and all the things that come with a holdout if he doesn't get a new deal. Here's the one thing that's changed for Saquon Barkley is that he changed agencies here. I mean, the, the the Giants put what they think was a good offer on the table back before the franchise tag deadline. They put another offer in front of Saquon Barkley during minicamp. And since that last, second time they put a big, you know, they sat down and talked about this, Saquon has moved on from Rock Nation Sports as his agency. He's now a CAA. So does that shake anything up? Will they get something done? And you said you think they will by 4 o'clock today. I think today, they will three today, o'clock, yeah. 3 o'clock Central. Well, you know, they, they got Daniel Jones signed. And now they've got to get something with Saquon because Saquon has made it clear I'm not playing on the franchise day. He'll sit out. This is Le'Veon Bell. Is that a wise decision? I mean, think about. It. I mean, I know running backs are getting mad. Austin Eckler out in. in well, they can Charles. get mad, but that's just the way it is. And you can understand it. I mean, Austin Eckler over the weekend saying, "Wait a second, I'm making less than the third receiver. What are we doing? I mean, I'm, I'm out there every play. I'm, I'm making less money than the third receiver hey, on our been, team. Should have been a receiver. Yeah, well, he is so a receiver. Austin Eckler is a great receiver. He just happens to play running back, and good running backs are available if you want them. Dalvin Cook still yeah, has not signed. Barkley, Barkley will be the guy to get it done today. What a weird situation there with the diminishing value of running backs. But at the same time, the running backs are saying, wait a second, we're on the field every play here. We're vital to our success. Come on now. Uh, but you can understand the frustration, but the market is telling them, no, you're not valued. Sorry, y'all. No good for you. Later. Later. Tony Pollard, Franchise Tag Cowboys. We're back. Lots to do at our Coach's Corner. More from that uh, Texas High School Coaches Convention. More from the busy weekend, the good, the bad, and the ugly every Monday here on B&E. Appreciate you being with us. Just getting warmed up. One hour in, three to go on a Monday.